like I guess going back to that time when I sat in that second day of the pack, I started my planning process from there. So I knew I had to put some things in place financially to make that happen. So I made sure that I, you know, had the funding to be able to do what I'm doing now. Um, and I think when you know it's the right thing and it's aligned to your values and, you know, I'll have put the goal into my timeline, it, it happens more or less automatically. Um, so I, I didn't have all, I don't have those conversations with myself anymore where I have to say, you can and you will do this, you can do this. It just happens. Hello, I am Joel Ingram. And this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, we have Jeff Kidner of Elite Breakthrough Solutions. Jeff is a, helps anxious go-getters kill the feeling of not being good enough so they're free to excel at life. A fellow practitioner of LLP with a twist, rekinetic NLP. Sounds intriguing. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we only connected recently, but uh, could you tell me a little bit of what's, what's going on in your world right now? Absolutely. So, um, as you said, I help anxious go-getters, and basically that means people who are full of promise and potential, but they, uh, their thinking's holding them back. So there's some sort of limiting thinking that's stopping them from achieving what they really want to achieve. So... I work with people on a one-to-one basis at the moment with intensive breakthrough packages. Um, And I'm also a meditation teacher as well. So I do uh, meditation workshops. And the Reikinetic part of uh, what I do is I've got um, Reiki, Kinetic Shift, NLP, Old Pain to Go and meditation. And when I meet with someone, I write their package using a mixture or a hybrid of all of those things. So because we're all unique and we've got unique models of the world, I can pick from all those different um, interventions and make a really bespoke one-to-one package that's got a really big change. That's what we call it breakthrough. So there's a paradigm shift in their thinking, which results in a paradigm shift in their behavior and and therefore the results. Um, And I enjoy the meditation part. So I also do workshops and online sessions and one-to-one bits and pieces with meditation as well. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And how long have you been into this, into this world? Um, I've always been in personal development all my life. um, But I think intensely the last five years and I've been in, because I've had my own business for the last nine years and about two years intensely on the NLP coaching. So yeah, it's been awesome, awesome journey. <laughs> yeah, I can I can vouch for for NLP <laughs> and, and and the benefits it can give. So, absolutely. So, I mean, you just didn't suddenly end up at this point. Is a, is a reason you've you've sort of decided to pursue this? Could you talk a little to about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've always sort of had to do everything to the nth degree. Um, and I didn't know what was pushing me, if I'm completely honest. So I've had a really successful career. And when, when I talk about my career, everybody's fascinated because it has been amazing, actually. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But it didn't feel like that as I was going through it all. Um, because I'm a chemist when I first qualified. So if you go back to like 18, 19, I was doing HNC chemistry and a degree in chemistry. So 
I started off in analytical chemistry with Welsh water, went into production chemistry. Then I went into manufacturing and, and got into like um, business improvement where I got trained in Lean Six Sigma and that sort of stuff. And then into manufacturing, automotive and food manufacturing. And then out of that, then into setting up your own business and then into financial services. Um, so it's been a bit of a loop. And within that loop though, um, I've had some senior, really senior positions, but I've always pushed myself and I've always done over and above everything else. I think it started off with, cause I did the Royal Society of Chemistry degree as opposed to a, like a Bachelor of Science. So whenever I applied for a job, everyone would be like, not sure what that is. And I'd have extra questions. So I asked to sort of go that extra bar to prove that I could do it type thing. Um, and it was not until years later, I sat in the NLP, uh, training room and it was on day two of the Pratt course when it just felt like an old court had been put around me and I felt so comfortable and I thought this is the missing link this is it because I'd done coaching to ILM level seven before but I'd always thought until you can change someone's thinking their mindset it doesn't matter what tools and techniques you've got because if, they, if they're not aligned with what they're thinking then nothing's going to work and then all of a sudden I'm sat in this room where there's this whole bunch of techniques that you can help people to change how they think and their mindset. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This changes the whole game. It's a massive game changer. And I rang my, I was employed at the time and I rang my manager that day and said, I need to be part-time as of now. Um, it took a few months, but I knew straight away that was the missing piece all along because if you can change how someone thinks and you've got all these modeling techniques for, you know, coaching models, the world's oyster that's fascinating and then on that course i i found that i had a limiting belief of i'm not good enough which and then just that that understanding was like that's everything that's pushed me for all of the things that i've achieved so you could say there's some benefit to that because when i did something i had to do it to the nth degree and when i did black uh, lean six sigma black belt wouldn't be good enough i had to do the master black belt and when i signed up for nlp Track wasn't good enough. I'd have to do the old master. I had to do it all, you know. So it did push me that way, but that's not a healthy driver. And if I look back health-wise, it caused me lots of issues health-wise. You know, trying to push yourself all the time to prove good enough. It's, it's not a healthy driver. <laughs> okay, so, so that's varied is one word. I mean, uh, <laughs> to many different industries alone, there. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a wealth of knowledge and uh, different perspectives you've brought with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't regret any of it, to be honest. And, you know, some of it was rocky because automotive manufacturing, if anyone's worked in that, they know how cutthroat that is. And it's, it's quite aggressive and long hours, which all manufacturing is. Um, not in a rush to go back to manufacturing. So, um, but I enjoyed my time, to be fair. But like, you know, and what we teach people in NLP, you take the learning from it and move on, don't you? So, yeah, I've, I've had a, a, a really, really interesting career and it's built a, a really unique skill set, actually. So when I'm working with people, it's quite useful because you, the flexibility that you've got when you've worked in all those industries and seen different ways of working and different approaches to things, your flexibility increases with it. So it can only be a good thing. Yes, yeah. and it's... Yeah, you bring it to the table. So, you know, I've worked with people who come from manufacturing. Most of my people that come here, they're anxious because they're either plateaued in their career or they feel like they're going down because you can sort of hit a, a barrier where you start questioning yourself and then 
that shows in your performance and then you sort of start going down. Um, so, and that's where I was. I, I'd hit that plateau. I'd got the senior manager job, I'd senior manager job. I got the big salary, got the big house and the big car, but you're still not happy. So it's like, what, what what's it going to take to make me be happy? And then when you realize deep down inside them what your core values and beliefs are, and then you start, you start to understand what's really important to you. Then you can start thinking about what's going to make you happy. So, and that's what I like to see in the, when I'm coaching people, you get that penny dropping moment when there's a belief or a value that comes to the surface and it usually explains the whole life of their behavior. And it's like, there you go. That's what it was all along. <laughs> it's yeah, simple so when it happens, you know? Yeah. But it's that, that penny drops and your mind just goes, that's, that was it. That was it all the way. So for me, it was that limiting belief of not being good enough. So, and that's my mission. No one should ever feel I'm not good enough. Cause especially with, cause I use timeline therapy a lot and it, which is a, an advanced NLP technique. And I think if I'd had that at 18 or 20, then my life would be completely different. <laughs> I said that to someone the other day about NLP. Did you? It, yeah, it's exactly. true and you can't explain it, can you? Until somebody's been through it, you try and explain the effect that NLP has and they look at you gone off. It's like, what? But it was, it completely changed my life. And that's not, no exaggeration. So the thing I like most about it is, is like, cause I, I've had a foot in, in this, like this what I call a spiritual world with regards to like, you know, um, Reiki, Indian head massage, metamorphic technique. And, and I always saw it as, it was like, a, everybody in that industry seemed to be very chill, very relaxed, very calm. In my head, I was like, I can't have a foot because I'm a, uh, I was an aircraft engineer by trade. I can't have a foot in one world and a foot in the other. It was, I couldn't balance them up. Right. And then what I eventually realized was I've seen us when I was um, doing one of the health shows in Cardiff, it wasn't my perception of that life, of living that life was not true. It's not all lovey-dovey. It's not everyone always gets on. It, it can <laughs> it can be quite cutthroat, you know. And this yeah. is this is a spiritual place, you know. And, and I was like, okay, so that's just totally rocked my uh, you know perceptions of what this was all about. So yeah, it, it shook me to the core, and I had to be evaluated then. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I've been meditating for probably fifteen years now. But I know I started to try and do that longer than that, but probably twenty years ago. And I could never, because I always thought you needed to cut off your thinking and I could never do that because especially when you're in manufacturing, everything's three million miles an hour. I was thinking, I haven't got time to sit here for this. I just haven't got time. And then when you try and be quiet, it's like you think, no, I'll do this, I'll do that. And everything comes into your mind. I was like, there's no way I'll ever do that. And it took me years to get into it. Um, and then when you actually do it, you know, the, the more that you like that, the more you need to be doing it. Because I know I can tell if I leave it for a bit now, if I miss a few days, I know because I can start, you can feel the anxiety coming back up and you can feel all the, your mind starts going fuzzy. You haven't got that clarity that you can keep when you meditate. So the, the more fuzzy you feel in the head and the more reason there is to meditate. So yeah, I, I, I love the fact that I can just use my meditation because and you, you can see it in clients, because if I've got a client that's really anxious, I need to make sure that I'm not anxious. So I have a quick meditation before someone comes in, 
yeah, I've got this amazing room in Clanmemory Hall, so the, the music's on, the diffusers go in, the lights are not bright, so it's just nice. So they just come in like, and then within minutes, I because I reiki the room before they come in, and it's just, it's got that energy. Everyone says, who comes here about the energy, it's, a, it's an amazing place. And then you can start, because there's no point trying to do NLP when somebody's mind's going a million miles an hour, you need to bring that down and get them to a point where they're just breathing and focusing on their breathing and just calm. And then the NLP techniques are so much more powerful when you've calmed the mind down. It makes a massive difference. Yeah. Okay, so so for you, I am not good enough manifested as um, overachievement. Uh, I need to do more, I need to do more. So can we go back to maybe like younger, younger days, maybe primary school? What, what was going on right then in your life uh, can you tell me a story around that? Yeah, I, see, I, I don't, I don't recognise an issue way back when because I was, I've always been pretty academic. I've loved school. I read early. I, I was reading going in as soon as I think my mum must have taught me to read. I can't remember the teaching, but I went into school, you know, reading at an early age. I was very sporty, so I was always good at stuff. Um, I never, I didn't, I don't recognize it from being a kid. I think it must have come in probably around the comp time when you're doing your O levels and stuff like that. So that's when I think I start first. I, don't, I wasn't aware of it at the time. It wasn't something I was conscious of. But as I'm reflecting on my life, I probably that's when I started to think a little bit like I was. Because when I was in junior school, and if there's anyone who knew me from junior school, they might say different, but like, I, I flew through that. I didn't need to think, you know, when they'd give you homework, it would be like quick do it in 10 minutes of dinner. Um, so, so I think probably then when I went to the comp, because what happened to me at, at the end of the junior school was, I was in Cumlai Comprehensive in Ton Rebel, at junior school in, in Ton Rebel, and my mum decided that I was going to go to the Catholic Comprehensive. So I was the only one out of the whole class that went to this comp. So everyone went to Ton Rebel Comp. And, and my mother's reasoning was that they didn't, Ton Comp didn't have a very good name at the time, whereas Cardinal Newman, which is where I went to in Pontypridd, had a much better name. So plus we were out the, yeah, plus we were out of the house from eight in the morning till five at night. So that might have been a factor because I was born <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She's never said. But um, yeah, so I toddled off, I guess, to this comp, being the only person from that school going to the comp. So, but I had a brilliant time in school, so it didn't bother me. And I was a bit of a swat in the first year, so I kept myself to myself, did all my schooling, and I was a bit of a swat. So I think it came easy, easy to me. I loved education. Um, and I guess it wasn't until I was about 16 when I applied to go to the Atomic Weapon Research Establishment in Reading um, and do an apprenticeship with them. And my dad decided that it would be better for me to do my A-levels and go to university. So there was a form they had to sign to release me and he didn't sign the form. So I couldn't go to do this Atomic Weapon Research thing. So I think I did my A-levels then under duress, you know, because it wasn't my choice. So. Um, but that's when my rebellious side came out because I thought, right, and I, I didn't do very much work for my A-levels, to be honest, and they weren't brilliant. Hence, I started work then when I left my A-levels, didn't apply for university or anything. Um, and I started my career way back when I run a kennels in Ton Revel, and then I was a supermarket manager in Torpandy. So that's my really go back to my roots, if you want to go that far back. 
Um, but then I got a job as a technician in Dow Corning, and that's where I started doing my HNC then, because I'd done science A-levels, and all, albeit a D and an E, but the, the, they were A-levels. You know? um, and that's where the career started then. So I, all, my, all my qualifications, and I've done two degrees and a master's degree now, they've all been done part-time while working. So not something I would definitely do master's. If I'd no more went into a master's, I wouldn't have started. But again, that's when I was driven by that not feeling good enough. So I was thinking, I got two degrees, but oh, let's have a master's. And then even after doing the master's, I think you're right, I need to do a PhD now. And wait, oh, absolutely. But I haven't because I've had NLP since. So I'm like, I don't need a PhD. <laughs> I draw the line there. But master's is enough for me. Yeah, I won't be doing any more. Um, but yeah, but I think going so then, where did I get to? So I, I'm sort of, I was okay till about comp when when there was other people who were better than me, if you like. Well, like at juniors, you're not that. We didn't have the stats and things that they've got now. So I knew I could just rock in there and do the work. And I wasn't challenged, I guess, until I went to the comp when I, there were other people of similar and higher achievement than me, if you know what I mean. So then that's when I really could sort of, I started comparing myself, I guess. I don't know, I'm having a therapy online, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never really thought about that, I don't think. But um, yeah, I guess that's where it initially, I, 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 there's not a defining moment where I can say, right, that's the start of my not being good enough. I think it's, just, it's probably a, a, a lot of little things that have come in, because I, I was really good at sport and I was in the gymnastic team. So, you know, when you're, in, when you're good at sport, you, everybody wants to be your friend because you, you you're sort of like in the in crowd, but I was never a part of that. That was, it, that was never a thing for me. You know, I didn't, I was never driven by achievement like that. I just enjoyed it. That's why I did it. And all the lessons I did, it wasn't, I didn't have a, I've never had a, a really clear career goal. I've just done what I've enjoyed. And that's probably why my career looks like it does, you know, because I've, I've hopped around and the opportunities sort of manifested, manifested themselves. It wasn't a, through thinking and career planning. So it's just been a hodgepodge of opportunity, I guess, and good luck. That, that, that's a fantastic way to do it though, because that's what I'm trying to instill in my kids at the moment is don't, you know, don't pursue what you think uh, other people want you to pursue. Just pick one, you know, if, if all, of all those subjects in school they got to choose from, pick one and double down on it, you know, and that's pursue cool. that to the nth degree and just yeah. go at it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think is that yeah, myself. I said this a couple of times on the podcast. When I was in school, I was I was artistic, so I was into like the creative, the arts, the crafts, uh, the woodwork, cooking, sewing, all that sort of stuff. And then yeah. the, the teacher said to me at one point, "Well, that's all very well, but what are you going to be a teacher?" And I was like, "Oh, is is that? Well, I don't want to be a teacher." So. No, knowing what I know about NLP now, like it's a massive uh, belief gus gone in place there for me. And I was like, gosh, truth. And when I look back and I like, cringe and I think, how can somebody that can impact you in such a way not be aware of the words they use? Um, especially, especially like, you know, educating children, you know, and putting you know, limiting beliefs in at that age, like, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, you see that so often now, though, don't you? And I, until you until you're taught that stuff, you don't know any different, I guess. You know? And I think 
and that's the thing when you when you come out of NLP training, you you hear all this around you, and you want to go out and change everything. <laughs> so it's like, you hear people talking, it's like I can help you with that, I can help you with that. But it's like no, just let, yeah. But it's it's quite, in, and I see a lot of teenagers now, especially with the way social media is, and I think it's a lot more pressure on younger people now than there was before. So the anxiety that the youngsters come here with, the teenagers, is unbelievable. And I just think, oh God, I'm glad I'm not a teenager now. But um, it's good though, because you can use all of the, what we've learned through NLP and especially with the meditation and they love the hypnotherapy and kinetic shift because it's so visual. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many tools there that you can help them with, but it's just getting it out there. I think because NLP is not so widely known because you see so many people going through the health, the mental health processes and then they're offered CBT and uh, counseling and that doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then when you talk to them and it's usually the last step that they're looking for us because they've tried every other avenue and then they stumble on NLP. And then when you can help them, you just think, you know, it's, we've got, we've got our responsibility is to get NLP out there more widely known and more easily accessible and used. Um, and I know that's difficult because of the, all the scientific linking background that you need to, to justify it all. But when you see the results that you can achieve, you know, it should be out there and available to people. And that, that's part of the journey for me now is getting that into mainstream usage. So. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So fast forward a little from uh, maybe uh, comprehensive, um, that time when you started to compare yourself. Fast forward a few years to a time of great change. What stories and emotions does that evoke for you? Great change. Well, I guess working was the, the biggest change, wasn't it? And I think... When I went, so I started off really in Biocatalyst. I was only there for a little while. So that was my first um, working job. And I was on probation for about three months. And I've also, I've got a really strong work ethic. My dad was a mining engineer and my mum worked part-time. And we've always been taught, you know, hard work is the way to get success. And so we've always had a really strong work ethic. All four of us have always worked. Um, and I was, I did... And it, you give it all, you just do your best. And that's what I was doing. And after my three months probation, they were like, oh, we're going to extend it by a month. And I was like, I really didn't get that. And I was really working hard, you know. Mm. And then it caused this big rift in the company. It was only a small place. There was only about 10 of us there. And I'm thinking, I don't know what else I can do. So I was talking to the girl, my supervisor. And she was like, what are you on about? She said, I've signed you off. And there was this big hoo-ha. And then I think that was my first sight of organizational politics. And I just think, hang on, this isn't about me, is it? This is about something bigger. Um, and then I left there shortly after and went to Dow Corning. And I started doing um, HNC there, um, but it, I didn't click with the business. And I think that was the first time ever where I made a conscious decision about my career when I said, actually, I don't want to work. This is, it wasn't a nice place to work. Um, but I was... I was almost tied because I was doing the HNC there. And I'm like, if I leave now, I'm going to have to leave that bit of my education behind. Um, but I took that decision and thought, no, it's better to pick that up another time and just get a job that works for me. And that's when I that's made a big decision there. And that's probably the biggest career decision I made to go and do something different and drop that education piece. Um, and then I moved into another technician job. I wasn't there very long. And then the opportunity with Welsh Water came up. And that's, Welsh Water changed my whole career then because 
very quickly um, I was promoted through the ranks and I went from technician to chemist in a couple of years, like two years or something, which is a really swift move. And I think I was senior manager within a couple of months of that then. So I, I flew through the ranks there and the qualifications. So that, that was massive for me. Um, and that's where I got my first team, I guess, and started to do the coaching side of things. Um, and it's interesting there because it was mostly women. So all my teams were women and I was managed by women. Um, and I, as I look through all, most of my career, I've been managed by women. So when I talk to people who've not had women managers and want to promote women now in the workplace, that's been my norm for, for a long time. So I find it quite fascinating when they start talking about the gender equality thing. But um, Welsh Water then was where I got the my HNC and my degree when I was there and from there I went into manufacturing so there's another big shift so I, I'm always driven by well I was then because I had my, my daughter was born by Zing Welsh Water so it was more about earning more money and being more secure and I was working in the afternoons then four till midnight shift I was doing so it wasn't very pleasant but it was working because I was married at the time and my wife was working in the morning. So we covered the childcare between us. Sure. So that worked really flexibly then. Um, I guess the biggest change there then would have been the breakdown of my marriage. So I came out of my marriage when Lauren was about three. So that was a massive change because I moved house to Cardiff, moved jobs to Cardiff. Um, so that tested my resilience. And anyone who's been divorced will know what that feels like. Um, but I, I got through all of that um, and ended up in Cardiff then working for the paper mill. So I've, I've been lucky in that I've always been employed, but then I think my work ethic has driven that because I would have worked in a pub if I hadn't got a job, you know, I'll work anywhere just because I, that's just what's in you and it's sort of in your, in your DNA, I guess. Um, and then I was headhunted, which is, this is a brilliant story from Arjo Wiggins. Um, because I missed out one of my little jobs, which would have been Cornea before Welsh Water. I was only there a couple of months, but they, they processed aluminium and apparently chemists with a background of aluminium are like gold dust, but they found out somehow that I'd worked there and offered me, by the time we finished negotiating, three times the wage that I was earning in Arjo. So that was a no-brainer. Um, but albeit I had to check to Abergavenny from Cardiff to do the job. But that opened up a whole new world then because on that sort of money, <laughs> you can do make things happen. Um, and then 10 years I spent up there. It was a, a privately owned company by a guy in America. So I was traveling back and forth America four times a year, going out into Europe to all the major automotive plants. And because they were so small, you got to experience lots of different. So I was on the senior team, but I did I was the technical manager, the tooling manager at one point, engineering manager, production manager. So that gave me it. And that super introduced me to the world of organizational politics there. And working at that level, you see, you see all sorts of politics that go on. Um, but that's a game changer to have all that experience and all those teams, you know, the, the sort of in the personal, personal interaction and understanding at that point, I think, was where my interest in NLP was born, because understanding people's behavior, you see people say and do things, and you think, 
what's driving that? Do you know, when you really can't understand where that behavior is coming from, that's where my interest in NLP. So I, that's where I started reading about NLP. And I've always had a coach in my life all through my career. And I've had one of my coaches now for probably 20 years. And she always talked about NLP, but I never really took much notice. Um, but I think it was when I was in more than I started to read around NLP a bit more. Um, and because there were some key interactions I had there, if I think back now, um, where the, they were really difficult conversations, but I've managed to get through them with, with support from other people coaching me. Um, Cause, and I think without that, someone else to talk to is quite difficult, isn't it? Especially because you're working on your own resilience and trying to help other people as well. So um, yeah, that was where that 10 years in Northern was the making of me for the future, I think. Both in what I wanted, I knew what, it helped me know what I wanted from life, but also what I didn't want. Because you see a lot of stuff you don't want to get involved in as well. Yeah. So, so you're talking, uh, when you see all these different things you've done in place, you're talking like change is easy. And I just, I, I, you've just gone from one thing to the next. Is, is it really as easy as you're saying, or was that change? Uh, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? It's like change, like change for me was, took me like 20 years to like pluck up the courage and make a move with something. Okay. And one thing, but like you seem to just be able to flow. So, so what's going on for you to be able to do that? It's all, it's been that driver of not being good enough though, because I had to earn more and be better and do more and get that. What I didn't say about all of that though, is I had three breakdowns in that time as well. So while I was at Northern, I had two physical breakdowns in terms of being completely stressed out. And at one point I thought I had a heart attack and I was, I was on beta blockers and had all sorts of weird heart rhythms going on, all sorts of stress related because I, I drove myself, well, people love you when, you, when you've got, in a, anyone that works in an organization that's got an I'm not good enough, is awesome to have in the team because you just do everything because you're trying to prove that you're good enough all the time. So yes, you perform well. You don't think you do and you beat yourself up about it and you're a, you're a perfectionist as well then. So um, I put myself in hospital twice. So once was for the heart and the other time it shows in my, in my stomach. So I, I often tell the story of before NLP, my stomach, you know, when you go to like, as they got them in TechnoQuest, I think, but I think we must have been in, I don't know where we were, but it's like a glass ball and there's like electric going on inside and you put your hands on, your hair stands on end. That's what my stomach felt like all the time, constantly going. That was, a, I thought that was normal. And then if somebody asked me to do something new or there was a bit of a challenge, it's like you would intensify and you'd get a feeling inside, but in my head then I'd be right, get over this now. You can and you, you can and you will is would, was always my mantra. So you can and you will do this. I just get on and let's get on. But that, so I would take up a third of my energy getting over all those barriers and sinking down all those nervous feelings and then go for it then, which is draining because then you've only got two thirds of what you started with to do the rest of the job. And because you've got this, right, you've got to do it the best that you can do it. <laughs> you know, it takes all that energy and more then to get to the end point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's where the stomach issues came from. So where I was going up and up the ladder, I think that they would just get stronger and stronger. And, you know, and then once you've done things a couple of times, that bit is comfortable, then, you know, you might get a call to go to Germany for a quality meeting where there's something going wrong with the product or 
And then you like you think, oh Jesus Christ, and then you, you would go in your stomach and you think you can and you will, so you can repeat that cycle of getting your head space right. And you know, from the outside in, I was doing well. I was earning good money. I was doing getting good appraisals and bonuses and all the rest that comes with that. But inside, you, it's churning up, and you, your mind is all over the place, and your stomach's all over the place. But you keep going because you've got to keep going until your body says, actually, you can't keep going. You know, because this is physically wrong. You and it it does, doesn't it? It shuts down on you. And, I mean, lying in hospital and with this big inflammation of stomach, so it's three months off with stress and. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not. It hasn't been as gentle a journey as as I've described. I guess. <laughs> is, it, is it? Is that? Was has the previous you impacted any of your relationships as well? Like your close relationships? Oh, absolutely. And I think it, it was. It's been a major factor with friendships because work always came first so if you arrange to see see people, you know, um, and I'm sure my daughter will tell you stories of things where I haven't been there because I've been there for work but in my head at that time that that was the driver you know you because I had to bring the money home and you had to be out there and doing it and doing the best you can do and I think I'm I'm talking like five or six years ago where that last died down so I'm 51 now so we look at I I felt like that till I was 45 so my daughter would have been in her 20s then so I've had that I'm not good enough for a long time a long time and it was only through NLP that that went and all the, the full acceptance of myself because um, I, I struggled with my sexuality for a long time so I 25 years ago I guess I did what Philip Schofield's just done so I've gone through that as well um, but you, I don't know you just keep going and I think you manage with and I say it's day to day for me so I, I've never had a big massive outlook on life like in five years time I'll do this it's always been shorter term like this week I've got to do this and day by day in the beginning and let's just get through this day and see what happens tomorrow and then as you feel more content and more stable in yourself then you think okay so what, what am I going to do this month and the next month and it's only like the last couple of years, three or four years, where I thought, actually, what do I really want to do in my life? What you know, what what do I really want to do, and what's going to really make me happy? And that's guided then my decisions to come out of the corporate world. Because and a lot of people have looked at me, gone off, and said, "What are you doing?" Because I was a very well-paid senior manager in in Lloyd's Banking Group, and then to come to you know this, and I love it. It, it is less money, um, but I've never been happier. I've, and I can say that hand on heart. I absolutely love what I do. To see people walk out to you completely different. You know, I've seen people change their careers. I've had a receptionist turn into an interior designer. I've had what, a sales clerk turn into a, a gluten-free baker. People have doubled their salaries after coming here and changing their way on what they want to do in life. So when you see that change in people, it's, it's unbelievable. So yeah, I, I know I've made the right thing. The right move. So how did you how did you then set yourself up for that type of success and how did you how did you transition? Like I guess going back to that time when I sat in that second day of the plaque, I started my planning process from there. So I knew I had to put some things in place financially to make that happen. So I made sure that I, you know, had the funding to be able to do what I'm doing now. Um, and I think when you know it's the right thing and it's aligned to your values and, you know, I'll have put the goal into my timeline, 
it it happens more or less automatically. Um, so I, I didn't have all, I don't have those conversations with myself anymore where I have to say, you can and you will do this, you can do this. It just happens. Like, and the tech stuff freaks me out, I gotta be honest, that's always been my thing. Um, but last month I set myself a goal that I'll teach myself to do um, sales pages and I, I got a train of mine. My website woman's amazing, Lisa Reese. So I'm on the Zoom with her and she's teaching me how to do it. And now I can do that. And then, so this, my next challenge then was to do the webinars because I think that's a really good way of sharing your knowledge. And I've done a 30-day challenge with that. So I know I can make a, make a webinar. But I don't have the, the beat-up that I had before. And my self-talk's far more nurturing than it was. You know, your self-talk when you feel you're not good enough is is the harshest you'll ever be. And with a lot of my managers that I see, I say to them, would you say what, imagine what you say to yourself, would you say that to anybody else on your team? And no one says yes, no one. And imagine putting, and I know there's a, one of my clients, she's got a picture of herself as five-year-old and it's in her diary. And whenever she feels she's gonna give herself critique, she turns it over and looks at her five-year-old self and it stops her from saying all the stuff that she, Things you might say, um, but yeah, your self talk changes, and I much I nurture myself now. I have lots of little wins, like just writing the sales page. It was probably the youngsters today, you know, they brought up to do that. They could probably do that in five minutes, but for somebody like me, that's a major achievement. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it's lots of little well done's along the way, and knowing that you're doing the right thing for you. Um, and I think once your values and beliefs, when your values and beliefs align to your goal, I think that this is so clear and your own career and personal clarity is so clear that you haven't got those decisions to make anymore. And you don't have to make those big, massive decisions because they come in naturally because you know that they're driving you towards that end goal that you've sort of talked about and put into your mindset. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking that's, it's something I bang on about is values. Um, but, you know, I picked up, I must have picked up tons of personal development books, like by all sorts of different authors. And within the first 10 pages, they all say, do the values thing. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it took me a long time <laughs> before I actually sat down and did it. I, I used to skip it because it's boring. Who wants to do yeah. that? You know? But Absolutely. Understanding my values until I eventually invested enough money uh, I say in myself, so I, I, I invested in a mastermind course, which basically was investing in myself. And once I outlaid that money, and I was, I was forced to follow through on the money I'd invested, and then I had to work through the values process, yeah, that yeah. changed my life. Just just the values alone, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's a drum I'm constantly banging on to people. <laughs> I, I was working with a client today and she was, and um, we were talking about relationships and I, I did the um, values on her relationships a couple of weeks ago. And I said, do it on your, do it on your partner and see what is that. And then you, so, and you can see that. And if there's anything major out of line and she did that and it was an eye opener, they bought, and it's been amazing for the two of them because they both sat down and did it together and then compared them all. And they've been talking about them ever since. And, it's been a game changer for them. And, and I never thought about it in terms of relationship before because I don't do relationship coaching, basically. But, you know, 
when you look at the wider ecology of the person, it's obviously going to come into the, the conversation because this is such a big part of their lives. Um, and I offered to do that piece with them, and the, it's brilliant to see. And just the, just having that conversation, because that's insight you'd never find from anything else, such mm. deep, meaningful insight. And like you know, and knowing that you can move them around if you wanted to, um, but it turned out they as weren't too far away. But like so oftentimes, if you've got somebody, and it made me think, if you've got somebody who's having a really poor relationship, it's probably down to their values not aligned. So yeah. there's so many, so, so many um, applications of that. It's massive. But knowing them, and like when you do, I did my master's, so you spend two intense days, 16 hours each, just going, sorting out all of your values and your beliefs. And I think after that, it's, it's just a, an absolute rewire of your whole thinking and programming. So I would never, ever before say that I'm good at this or this is my strength or I'm really powerful at this and I'm, I'm the, probably the best person to do that. But now, and it's not a big edit thing, it's not about, because it's not about me, but it's knowing, it's knowing what you're good at and what you can do. And I'm, I'm more than confident now to stand anywhere and talk about anything, which isn't, if it, but I don't think anyone sees that change as much as I do because I was very good at masking that. And I think people who who have a feeling of not being good enough, because I did a lot of training and workshops. Well, you can act that, you can you can be the person in front of everybody and, and almost do a performance if you like in front of them, and they'd never know what was going on inside. But I think like my first ever presentation was in university, and I fainted and went blue and like absolutely just got carried out of the room. The lights just went off here. Are you still okay? Can you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. And the lights off. So like, um, anyway, yeah. So that was my first time, and then like through my career, I I was presenting and teaching and stuff. So, but I think you can put on a face, and and like the, all the inside stuff's going, and your mind is going, but you can put on that act and perform your way through a lot of the stuff. But like I said, that's draining your energy. So you're not really enjoying it because you just think it's all on autopilot. Mm. Whereas now I can, like, I'm enjoying this, which is probably my first time doing a, a guested podcast. No, second, actually. So I, I quite enjoy it. Whereas normally I would be all let up and nervous about it and thinking, oh, what are we going to say? Will I, be, will I look stupid? And all the rest of that. But that goes out to the window. And it's, it's a brilliant place to be. And, and knowing that I can help people get there is phenomenal. I like what you said just now with, you know, um, it's not a big headed thing. And it, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could say something along the similar lines. And when I'm talking about it to people, I do the same thing. I say, it's not that I'm my own, you know, Jaxie or anything or that I'm a big head. It's but that I honestly feel that confident and confident in it. And, and, and to be able to say that from the person I was like three or four years ago is huge. Like, absolutely another yeah. level you know yeah so it's so it. so freeing yeah it is and it's it's so empowering for, for the individual and you know when we do belief change where they go from i'm not like if i went at my i my belief change was from i'm not good enough to i'm amazingly fabulous which sounds absolutely ridiculous but that's what my self-talk says to me now and it's like that's that is Imagine somebody who's 18 or 20 going out into their, you know, into their adult life with the belief that they can do anything and they can put their mind to anything. And it's, it just changes the whole 
what you can achieve in life. So I think once you change your thinking, as you know, you change your results because your behavior changes and it's phenomenal. I can't talk about it enough. And it, when people hear me talk now, because after my first practitioner, I went back to the bank and I said to my director, I can't believe it. It's like, I, I'm so confident. It's unbelievable. And she turned to me and I can remember that words now. And she said, yeah, but Jack, we always knew it. You were the only one that didn't believe it. Yeah. And I was like, Mm. <laughs> that's what that makes you think doesn't it you know because you wouldn't get these senior roles and I, I've, I've had some very senior roles in my job um, so you know they obviously trust you and believe in your capabilities but it's only us the question our own capabilities mm. um, but that just shows how good an actor I was I guess because I can I, you can act confident sometimes and really inside it's not there but when you're actually portraying the the real thoughts that are inside i think that takes it to another level then completely different now yeah no, i get it i get it yeah. okay man <clears throat> okay so swift switch tack a little bit can you tell me a story about something that has amazed you something that's amazed me relating to my work or just any old story anything <laughs> anything, anything that you feel strongly about Oh, can I share a story about a client then? Because, and yeah, I know absolutely. he wouldn't mind it because he's put it on LinkedIn. So um, I went to see a talk because I'm very into mental health. And I went to see a talk down in Swansea that was being run by Time to Change Wales. And there were a number of speakers. I can't remember all the names now, but one of them was Stephen Lewis. And I sat through these talks and they were all talking about the impact that mental health had had on their lives. And they were pretty grim stories, actually. And there was an older lady there who'd had mental illness back into the 50s and 60s. And she painted this real grim story of mental health. You can imagine what it was like back then. Um, but he talked about um, being suicidal and having tried probably seven or nine times, I think, at that point. Unsuccessfully, obviously, because he was still talking. But he was talking about like still functioning, going to work. And he had a four-year-old child, but still having all these horrible thoughts and acting on them and I was fascinated by his story and um, I approached him because the story went I've got this mental condition this is how it affects me but it didn't go any further there was no I'm doing this now and I'm getting better or this is helping me or I did this there was nothing it was just how awful this situation was and I thought oh, I don't know what support he's getting but you know I, I wanted to be there to say that NLP was out there and could help you so we had a few conversations through LinkedIn and then he eventually spoke to me over the phone and he was reluctant in the beginning. And I said, well, I'm offering my services. If you want to take him up, it's up to you. It's absolutely fine. And then eventually he came up and we did a few things. And uh, there's loads of stories I can tell you, bless him. But he was afraid of heights and he, I brought him straight. I'm on the second floor in this, in this block. And he bombed up behind me and then by the time he got up to the top his head was spinning and he had to go to the to the loo and be ill because I dragged him up so quick up there but he didn't tell me he had a fear of heights <laughs> so I, I got I didn't force him you know he followed me um but I said oh we'll get rid of that then let's get rid of your fear of heights and we can do that so we did a few things and then I saw him a couple of times and then when he went home the one time and he said oh they all take the take the mic out to me and work because I hold on to the barrier and go up one step at a time with both feet because I'm from my fear of heights. And he walked out here across the landing, which looks down onto the big hallway there. And he took one step at a time and went all the way down. It was fabulous. But 
he then the following week he came and this is the the crux of the story he came the next week then and he'd he'd post a post he put a post on linkedin where he was climbing this 30-foot wall and put a picture on of him climbing and he said i can't believe i've done this after all these years of having a fear of heights um but he came in here and showed me the picture and put it on linkedin and stuff and but he said to me in here then that he'd for the last three weeks he hasn't had a suicidal thought in his head at all and he said that you don't know how big you don't know how big that is because i've had them since i was 10 years old and he's in his 30s now and i think do you know what that's pretty fascinating and that's all down to nlp all down to nlp and he's still like that now he hasn't had them at all since then so that would have been january so how many weeks is that? He's probably 10 weeks now with, with not a single thought. That's awesome. And that's, to me, I, I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> and he kept it till the end of the session. So oh, there was something else I wanted to say as well. I haven't had a suicidal thought, thought for three weeks. And I'm like, oh my God, you kept that till the end. That's quite telling the beginning. But I think of all the stories that I can tell, that, that that's the standout. That there's everybody's transformation is is awesome but that one i think because of the nature of it and what it does for him now i think that's phenomenal and to be to be someone who's been able to achieve help someone achieve that oh yes absolutely yeah you wouldn't get that in a job in an office where i was before so yeah so it makes it all worthwhile well then doesn't it? absolutely was that big enough yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, okay, awesome. Um, okay, so now looking into the future, what would be the most craziest and most exciting thing that you could be experiencing? Go to the moon. Okay. Yeah, Very fancy. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, my goal came into my head then because I want to move west and live down 10 Saunders for play in a nice big house looking at the sea. But that's going to happen because it's in my goal. So that's smaller now so i think yeah go to the moon would be pretty cool i like it i like it big goals man big goals oh i think big absolutely think big okay and the last question now jeff is where can the audience find you and on what platforms i'm on linkedin is my preferred platform i put i'm on twitter instagram and facebook my website's elitebreakthrough.co.uk and that's pretty much it, really. Yeah. LinkedIn is, is where most of my activity goes on. I've got a Facebook group where I'm fairly active. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. Twitter and Instagram less. So, but um, yeah, that's where you'll find me. Okay. Jeff, I want to thank you very much for your sharing your journey and being open with us today. Hopefully this lands on the right ears. Uh, it gets to help some more people too. Absolutely, and that's the whole purpose of doing this, yeah. So thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Cheers. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Top man, thank you very much. Well, that was good. How was that? <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, you're easy to talk to, innit? A lot of them. Um...
can be a bit interviewy, but no, that was nice and relaxed. Cool, well done. <laughs> Good, I enjoyed that. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I mean, what a fantastic gift to be able to give somebody and you know, get rid of those thoughts. Oh, it's That's amazing, huge. isn't it? Mm. Actually, you explained to me about because um, I never understood it actually. Because I think a lot of people get in thoughts, and I know I had them early on in my life. Thoughts about what not wanted to be here, but I always had my daughter, and that was enough to turn it off. And he got a four year old, so I was, I was always intrigued to like, how, how can you still think like that? And he said, You got it's a room to me. He said, Life is a room, and for me, um, suicide is a trapdoor in the corner. So I know if anyone throws anything at me that I can't deal with, I can always jump out. It's almost like a safety thing. Mm. I thought, Wow, that explained it all to me, that made complete sense then. So I was like, Well. You know, we're not about blocking that door up. NLP will make you so that you don't want to go to the door, that you can handle stuff in the room then, if you want to look at it like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was quite eye-opening. So it's it's been draining, mind. It's hard work working some, with somebody with thoughts like that. And when – did you do time and therapy with your NLP or – You touched on it, yeah. That's, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's the, the TM one, but I've, I've done the time and therapy, yeah. That's, that's right, really so powerful. We, yeah, so we did time and therapy and – it's, it took an awful long time and there was an awful lot of stuff in there. So I don't know if that's what the relationship is. Like, it, does he feel suicidal because he's got all that on his timeline or is it that all this, you know, that being like he is makes the timeline heavier than most people's, but it, it took like three or four goals to clear everything off, whereas normally it's just one goal. Okay. Um, so that was quite insightful, but it does, it's hard work working with people like that, but when you can see the results then, it's like, it's bloody well worth it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like you've done a, a lot of different stuff than what I touched on. When I finished my NLP master prac, my teacher said, you need to go and do other master pracs because everybody teaches it different. And Absolutely. I'm start, and I'm start, you're the first person I've spoken to that's hinted at, you know, from the conversation that there is other aspects to it that I may be missing out on. So... It's good to get another another point of view and because I'm not really in these circles, right? I mean, I'd like love to be connecting with uh, like-minded individuals. I want to help others, so this is yeah. my only platform for doing so. You know, at the moment. Oh, well, oh, I don't know how because we've got a hub. I was trained by Laura Evan, and she's got um, it's the company's Unleash Your Potential, and she's got a hub. So anyone who's been on her courses can go into this hub, and there's probably about two hundred of us in there now, and that's. Like you can put questions in there and ask questions and stuff like that. And they'll say, oh, I'm working with this client. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And a lot of batting around of ideas and stuff. So but, but okay. I usually have to do a course to get into that. But um, yeah, I see if there's any way of... Oh, actually, there's one that she does for any old... Let me have a look. I think she's for any old person. <laughs> I think I wonder what she... I don't know what she calls off the top of my head. I'll send you a link. I know she's got a, something that you can go for that. Okay, that's fair. Thank you, Jeff. Brilliant. Uh, oh, boy, you Jeff, you, you looking to get on? You are, sorry? If you do any courses, let me know, though, because I'll have a referral fee for sending you all back. Yeah, 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 no worries, yeah. What was your question then? Sorry. Are you looking, to, who are you looking to connect with? Is anybody that you would like to be connected with that can help with? Um, like more podcasts? Oh, that would be fab. Yeah, I'd love to do some more podcasts. Yeah, that okay. would be excellent. Yeah. I was in LinkedIn jail for a while, so I, I'm being a bit slow on adding people to my staff, so I'm being good now. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be cool. But, um, yeah, brilliant. Thanks for the opportunity. I really did enjoy it.
Good, I mean, um, what uh, last question? Um, if I was to pursue uh, a session with yourself, how would I go about? Would I just text you or ring you, or is it a scheduler online or? No, just yeah, just um, DM me on LinkedIn or something like that, or send an email through off the website. Yeah, and the way I work, I would have a conversation with you first, and then and then we'd have a face to face, and then we'd decide what plan to go on going forward. Then, okay, cool. Yeah, so like a couple of meetings before, I'm just exploring because you you need to understand what I need to understand what you want and vice versa, and it's deciding whether we write for each other. Then, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you, sir. See you soon. We shall speak soon. Thanks a lot. All the best, Jeff. Cheers then. Ta-da. Ta-da.